Hey everyone, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. Welcome to the last vlog of 2016. Here we are in the last week of 2016. And so it seems fitting that today we should talk about what we've learned in 2016. It's been quite a year for me. I don't know about for you, but for me, this has been a heck of a year. And I've learned a lot, especially about my own personal bright line eating journey. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to just share some of the lessons I've learned. I mean, this company's been through a lot this year, uh, certainly. Um, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people joined our tribe, joined our email list. A um, bunch of people unsubscribed. They're like, I don't want to hear all this stuff. Um, cool in the gang. That's always fair. You know, I, I knew from the start that like I would just have to stay true to myself and that this isn't for everybody. So I actually am not concerned when people unsubscribe. I think that that's fair and awesome. And I hope people find their path with food uh, somewhere, you know, and I know it's not going to be here for everybody. So um but for the people who do find it, um, you know, nice to be in this Bright Line Eating community, it's awesome. Here we are ending the year together. And we rolled out some new websites, uh, amazing websites that I'm super happy with. Um, new logo, love it. My team got me this necklace uh, based on our new logo, which I'm in love with. Uh, thank you to my beloved team. And uh, yeah finished the book. It went to press, I don't know, like five or six days ago, the thing went to press. It's being printed right now. It actually gets released March 21st. That's exciting. I'm in the process right now of shooting videos, designing new courses, designing free giveaway stuff, just designing a, an awesome uh, book launch plan. We're looking to have a book launch party in New York City. We don't have a venue yet, but uh, as soon as we find a venue, I'll announce that and we'll sell tickets and it's going to be fun. That's going to be Tuesday, March 21st, if we can find a venue. Um, so a lot of 2016 actually has been spent getting ready for 2017 in a lot of ways, because 2017 is the year that the book actually comes out. If you've been here since the beginning, you know that was the whole point of this whole thing was I just wanted to write a book. <laughs> I just wanted to write a book. That's all I wanted. And when I learned that you had to build a platform for anyone to actually read your book, you had to build your readership in advance, then I had to start figuring out how to do all this online stuff and videos and blogs and websites and blah, blah, blah. But the whole point was to get you here with me so I could release my book and tell you about it. That was the whole point of all this. So anyway, um, in the midst of all this, we created this Bright Line Eating movement and yeah, by, by now some 400,000 people at one time or another have, have, you know, signed up for it and gotten exposed to it and learned about it. And it's kind of amazing. Um, yeah, kind of amazing. In 2016, I, um, didn't gain or lose any weight. I'm standing here at the same weight that I was at the start of the year. Although my weight has fluctuated a little bit more than usual. I've been a size four all year. Um, but what I'm going to talk about for most of this vlog here is my, my journey with food and what I've learned from it in 2016. But, but it's nice to still be in a right size body at the end of all this. <laughs> um, and in 2016, I didn't miss a vlog. So every Wednesday without fail, I put out a vlog, uh, no exceptions, uh, no matter what was going on in my life, no matter what, no matter what, right? I put out a vlog. 
Um, I was not immaculate with my meditation. I fell off the wagon with it here and there. I'm not sure I could look because I actually keep track with my nightly checklist sheet. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a frog in my throat. I keep track on my nightly checklist sheet so I could look at it. But if I had to guess, I would say that 80% of the mornings I meditated, something like that. Um, my goal for the year, my New Year's resolution was to get really, really, really fit in 2016. And I didn't, I didn't succeed at that. I, um, I started exercising. And what happened was my life got so busy that uh, my food went off the rails. And I looked at my life and I said, you know what, this intense exercise that I'm doing in the mornings, I don't think it's serving me right now. Um, people in my tribe pointed out, hey, Susan, your food is slippery and you always tell us not to exercise when you're trying to focus on your food. Like if your food is straight and you've been, you know, like squeaky clean with your bright lines, then go ahead, exercise all you want. But if your food is off the rails, that is not the time to be exercising. So I had to, I had to back off of exercise. And um, now I'm exercising for five minutes every morning, thanks to Ari Witten for that suggestion. High intensity interval training, it's shocking what you can accomplish in five minutes in the morning. I'm loving that. <clears throat> and um, yeah, my other habits have been pretty great. Um, yeah. Uh, my husband and I have been through a journey. I've recorded that um, in vlogs here, so I'm not going to get into all that again, but um, we're ending the year in love and connected and close and happy and um, hopeful about the future and love and raising our kids, and that feels good. Um, so what I want to talk about is my journey with food and what I've learned about bright line eating and about, um, about this movement and its place in the world, kind of. Um, just to recap, like bright line eating has parents and grandparents, right? Um, the parents of bright line eating are a 12 step program for food addiction that I did for 11 years before I started bright line eating and um, the science and academic community where I've, I learned all this science and taught a college course um, on the psychology of eating. And in that course, I had a unit on the neuroscience of food addiction. And so the, this 12-step experience that I had losing all my excess weight and keeping it off and sponsoring people in that program and all that stuff. And then the years and years and years and years that I taught people about food addiction and about the psychology of eating those are basically the parents of bright line eating and there's grandparents too i mean that 12-step program for food addiction ultimately came from overeaters anonymous as the original parent 12-step program which ultimately came from alcoholics anonymous um, etc so there's grandparents up there and the academic tradition as well has you know there's a lot of science over centuries um, that have gone into what we're doing here today in, in Bright Line Eating. And when I came to this year, to 2016, I had left that 12-step program for food addiction sometime before. Um, I think actually earlier in the year of 2015, I think I originally left in like March or May, I don't remember, of 2015. And I came into 2016, I came into this year, um, not sure about how I personally would fare without the support of a 12-step program for food addiction for myself. Because there's this weird thing being sort of the figurehead of Brightline Eating 
um, I was concerned that it, it wouldn't be that easy for me to get my support from it myself. Does that make sense? Like it's hard to support something and get supported by it, right? I mean, if you just think about the physical space of that, like if, if you're holding something up, you can't be held by it at the same time. So I was concerned about that. And I also know that our Brightline Eating community is far more heterogeneous. I mean, it's far more diverse. We have people who are at all places on the susceptibility scale. We have people who really don't want to do the full deal. They just want to learn a few lessons and, you know, watch the vlogs or whatever. We have a very diverse community. In the 12-step program for food addiction, it's really homogeneous. It's very much made up of people who are absolutely food addicts who identify as such are extremely high on the susceptibility scale and who are totally willing and surrendered to accept in all of its manifestations a full packaged solution for food addiction that is very rigorous and um and laid out in advance um with a sponsor kind of telling you what to do along the way and um yeah, that program is made up of people who submit to that structure. And our program's not like that. It's it's autonomous, it's self-directed. Um, I lay out a bunch of stuff, a bunch of science, a bunch of options, and like, you know, you're you're the head of your ship. You do what you want to do. I always say there's no bright line eating police. Like I'm not I'm not making anybody do anything around here. Um so I, as I'm sure it's become obvious if you've been watching these vlogs for any period of time, I'm a 10 plus 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 on the susceptibility scale. Like I have a form of food addiction that just doesn't come along very often. Like even the people who, you know, identify as full-fledged food addicts in my community, they look at me and they're like, you got it bad, Susan. <laughs> like you, you just have, you have a, just a bad case of food addiction. And I do, you know, and it might be because I did all that crack and crystal meth and cocaine and stuff as, as a teenager, which just like, pre-wired my brain for addiction. Like my dopamine receptors, they know how to just get blown out. They just do. And my brain wires that way really readily. So when I get sugar or flour in my system, like I just, my brain just, um, it goes to that place really hard and really fast. Um, so I didn't actually know whether Brightline eating would be sort of a potent enough solution for me, especially since I had it. And then like, where do I get my support? Like, where do I get to be just another bozo on the bus, you know what I mean? Um, I know there's people in my community who don't like that term. They write in and they're like, Susan, I'm not a bozo. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not calling you a bozo. But anyway, I like that phrase, just another bozo on the bus. Like, where do I get to be one among many? Where do I get to be, you know, just another struggling food addict? And um, so that's, that's kind of where I was at when the year started. And what happened was this year um, had a lot of stress in it for me. Um, not a lot of like, um, like in 2008, David's and my twin daughters, Alexis and, and Zoe, were, um, were born, what, four and a half months prematurely, weighing one pound, six ounces, and one pound, seven ounces, and spent four months in intensive care. Um, that was stressful. And I didn't break my bright lines through any of that. But it was stressful of a of a certain like it was a certain type of stress. It was a it was like a um, life shattering type of stress. Um, the stress this year was a stress of too much, just too much, too too much to do, too much to be responsible for, um, too many decisions to make, too many 
texts and emails and voxes coming in. I mean, I have eight people working full time answering my email. Eight people. And, and it's still like, I still don't get all my email answered. It's ridiculous. Um, so it's just too much. And, um, and there's, there's a certain kind of stress of, of too much, you know, single moms, single working moms know exactly what I'm talking about. The stress of just too much, like no one piece of this year was, um, you know, awful and hard, like, like that time with Alexis and Zoe being born so prematurely weighing one pound, like no, no piece of this year was awful like that. It's just that it was all too much. And what I learned was that, um, too much is a pretty intense form of stress because it creates, especially if you're leading the too much, it's you're, you're making decisions all day long and decision fatigue is one of the worst. It's one of the worst willpower depleters there is. And so what I found was that my food, um, went off the rails, um, several times this year, a bunch of different times. And, um, there was a gift in that because I sort of became a rock star resumer. Like I started to really, really get and, and, and I learned how to even delineate and like articulate the process of resuming. And I'll tell you here now, I think my next book is going to be called Resume. R-E-Z-O-O-M. Someone in our Brightline Eating community came up with that spelling of resume. Like our phrase is simply resume. R-E-Z-O-O-M. Do it fast, right? Resume. Um, I think that's going to be the, the title of my next book, Resume. Um, don't steal that. That's mine. <laughs> Um, consider it copyrighted. Can I put a little C at the bottom of this video? Don't steal that. Um, but anyway, so I, I sort of became a master resumer and I learned some tools. Like they say, necessity is the mother of invention. And I, that has been true for me in 2016. I am going into 2017 with my food feeling cleaner, more solid, more neutral than it's ever been, really. Um, I mean, as neutral as ever. I've, I've been here before. I've been in this, I've been doing this for a long time now. I've been doing this for 13 and a half years. Um, so it's been this neutral, this clean, but I know what neutral, clean, immaculate food feels like. And that's what I got today. And I've have had for now for a little while and it feels amazing. And the lessons of that are many. I'm doing a webinar for my Bright Lifers on January 1st about the 10 lessons that I learned in 2016 about being a master maintenance dancer. And, um, but basically as a community, I've watched because, you know, thousands and thousands of people have gone through the boot camp now. I don't know how many thousand, but many thousands of people. And we've got a community of people now living at goal weight. We've got a community of people now, you know, well on their way to goal weight. We've got a community of people living together. I have, for the record, found my home where I get to be just another struggling food addict. It's my Bright Lifers community. We have a Facebook group, a secret Facebook group, and um, I get support in there like anybody else. And I just, I just love it. And I make phone calls today to my Brightline Eating community, especially to my Bright Lifers, my team and my Bright Lifers. Um, are my Brightline Eating community, and it's it's phenomenal. Um, but as a community, we have a different philosophy here on Brightline Eating than the 12-step program for food addiction that is our direct ancestor, our direct parent. Um, in that program, um, 
perfection is the standard. It just is. Like, you, you just don't mess with your food. And you need to be perfect at that. Like, anything else can go awry in your life. That's fine. But your food needs to be perfect. And we don't mess around. Like, that's the standard. Um, and if you have any deviation in your food to the, to the degree of eating a baby carrot at three in the afternoon, there's all kinds of consequences and you need to frame it. The community sort of almost forces you to frame it as a catastrophe, a disaster that you need to look back and see all the ways that you'd gone off the rails and all the ways that you were, you know, off the beam entirely for, for a, a while and you need to like really double down your efforts and get back to that standard of perfection really quickly because, um, because you know, if you've got a serious addiction, that's, that's not necessarily a bad framework to have. That's the framework I have around alcohol and drugs. Like I have a standard of perfection. Like I don't mess with that stuff. And if I were ever to take a drink or do a drug, I would want to look at that as a very big deal and to get really clear on how I'm going to not do that again. So I think that standard of perfection um, is appropriate and helpful for some people in some cases. And that's that's the way that program frames it. In Bright Line Eating, we don't really do that. We have a framework of being unstoppable and resuming quickly. And for many people, and I still consider myself one of them, even though I did not have a perfect bright line year, for many people, the, the goal is to never break their bright lines ever. And we have a lot of people who are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of days in to a bright line eating journey with perfect bright lines. If you're here, go post that down below. We want to hear from you. Like, awesome. Congratulations. Perfect bright lines are celebrated at bright line eating. We high-five each other all the time, but we also high-five each other for resuming, and we um, have more of a, you know, different people frame this journey differently kind of approach, and not everybody necessarily has the same standard. And what I've learned this year about that are, I guess, a couple things. Number one, it's dangerous in a community that, that does include people who are really high on the susceptibility scale to have a community that celebrates resuming. There's a danger in there. I'm not saying that it's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying that there's two sides to that coin because I do think that there have been people this year who followed me breaking my bright lines and who've bought into the culture of love and acceptance around resuming and been like, oh, okay, well, I'll make this exception. I'll eat this thing and I'll just resume. And what they've seen is that over time, the exceptions have become more numerous, their program has unraveled, and then their weight loss has stalled or they've started to gain weight back. And in some cases, they still are suffering with binges and can't get back on their bright lines. And so there is an absolute danger to being... um I don't want to say lax, because I don't think we're lax, but to being um, so loving and accepting unconditionally around all breaks of the bright lines. There's just, there is, there's a, there's another side to that coin. And I have watched with um, heartbreak as some of our bright line eaters who were so stalwart, so successful um, at certain junctures, maybe when their boot camp ended or maybe when a holiday came up or when maybe when they went on a trip, have deviated from their bright lines thinking it would be okay because they saw all these examples of successful resuming 
and then have watched their whole experience kind of turn to ash in their mouth, you know, and just were left standing there going, oh my gosh, what just happened? Now, in a lot of those cases, people have come back and they have successfully resumed and they're stronger for it in a lot of ways. So, you know, but it certainly is easier to just not break your bright lines. Um, but the, the other thing I've realized is that um, I think there's only a certain extent to which fear around all this serves us. It, it might be zero, but I don't think it's zero. I think fear has a healthy place in this whole framework. Um, the healthy place being the same kind of fear that leads you to not, you know, do a little jig, you know, two inches from a 5,000 foot drop off cliff. You know, you don't do that because, you know, even though you probably could do it on solid ground away from a cliff, the reality is that if you did slip, the consequences would be too high and you don't want to do that. So there's a fear of heights that keeps you from doing a jig at the end of a cliff. Um, and in the same way, there should be a little bit of fear about picking up a bite of food that could send you on a journey that you don't want to go on. But in general, I think um, having a whole bunch of fear, if, you, if you're doing bright line eating and you're following your food plan and you, you're counting days and you're up to day whatever, um, I think having a, like a really intense fear that if you make one misstep, the whole thing is going to crumble apart. I don't know how well that serves us. Um, so one of the things that I like to teach my boot campers and my bright line eaters is um, no matter what you do on this journey, you don't have to go back to the beginning. We're not going to silence you. We're not going to shame you. And we're not going to um, scold you. We're going to love you. And it's going to be okay. And we're going to teach you how to get back on track. Like learning how to resume successfully is a really important skill. And I think that because I struggled with my food off and on this year, I developed a measure of backbone, of confidence in my ability to resume that I never had before. Um, I think I, because back in the day, six months after joining that that 12-step program for food addiction, so back in 2003, I picked up a bite of food in Sydney, Australia and couldn't stop eating for six months. And I gained back all my excess weight and then some. I went from a size four to a size 24 in three months. I got fatter than I'd ever been in my entire life in three months. I'm gonna say that again, size four to a size 24 in three months horrific eating, all the while trying to get back on track, all the while trying to resume, couldn't do it, couldn't do it, couldn't do it. And so from 2003, I did get back on track at the end of 2003. And from then until now, I've been in a size four. From then until 2016, though, I think I lived in fear that if I did something awry with my food, I might never get it back. And 2016 is the year that I lost that fear. I just know now there's nothing I can do with food that I can't recover from. I also know that it's not a journey that I enjoy. Like resuming is hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of bandwidth. It's hard on my husband. He hates to watch me pick up the food again. It's, it's just hard on me physically, mentally, all that stuff. It's just hard. I'd rather not do it. But I know how. 
and I really know how. Like there's nothing that food can throw at me that I can't respond to successfully. So I just, it's been an interesting year for me. For me personally, it was also the year that I learned that bright line eating is enough for me, that I don't need a 12-step program for food to navigate my journey. Now that's how I feel today. I, I'm not a never girl, so I'm not gonna say I will never be in a 12-step program for food again, but I can say for today, I feel pretty confident that I have the tools in bright line eating, even though I lead it, even though there's this natural difference between me and the people who support me, even though that's true, I seem to have found my home in bright line eating. It does seem to be enough for me, even with my crazy extreme version of food addiction. I get what I need in bright line eating. And I feel more happy, thin, and free today than I ever have, or as happy, thin, and free today as I ever have. I feel amazing. And so I'm going into 2017 with the goal and the hope and the expectation of not breaking my bright lines once in 2017. I'm going to talk about that in next week's vlog. Next week's vlog is going to be about goals and about New Year's resolutions. And if you want to take a journey with me on 2000, in 2017 and set up some goals for yourself around your food, maybe it's not eating any sugar for 2017. Maybe it's not eating any sugar or flour for 2017. Maybe it's not eating any sugar or flour and eating only three meals a day for 2017. Maybe it's no sugar, no flour, three meals a day, weighing and measuring your food and not taking a bite off your food plan for 2017. That's my goal, including weighing and measuring in restaurants because I've found that that serves me as well. And I'd also like to stay right within my goal weight band for the entire year. I, it's all right if it, I can, I can go as much as five pounds above that band and not be in a different size clothes. But for me personally, there's a, there's a weight range that I like to stay in because I just feel most awesome there. I'd like to stay in that band for the entire year. What else? I'd like to meditate every day for the whole year, not drink any caffeine for the whole year, and exercise for at least five minutes a day for the whole year. Those are my goals. Anyway, I'll talk about that more next year or next, yeah, next year next week and next year. Um, but for this year, it's for this vlog, it's been, it's been quite a learning. And um, for me, I don't know if this vlog has really conveyed it adequately, but uh, it's, it's profound. For me, when I started this whole Bright Line Eating thing, it really put my own personal food journey on the line because I, I knew that there were going to be people in my 12-step program for food addiction that hated me doing this, that would look at me and say, look at you, you're monetizing what we do here. It's awful. How did, you know, like I knew that there would be backlash there and there has been for sure. Um, and there's also people who love me and support me from that community and say, Susan, you're doing the right thing. Your message is different then the 12 step message and you're sharing science that no one else is sharing and you go girl, there's also those people, but there's haters for sure. And, you know, I just knew that I was putting my own recovery on the line, my own food journey on the line. And it's that part has been intense for me. And 2016 is the year where I got my sea legs with that and realized I get what I need out of bright line eating. And I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with my food today. Thank God. Um, so looking forward, there's also going to be some ends. We're coming to the end of this vlog and I'm going to start saying something different. In the past, I've said 
And if you have something you want me to address, send it in. I'm at Susan. Now I'm not going to be saying that anymore because first of all, um, remember I said that we have, I have eight people answering my email full time and we still can't get it all done. That's crazy. So we need to change our email system a little bit. So I'm not, um, you can still submit vlog topics at my website. Um, but we're not going to be, um, yeah, stressing my email my team that so much and I get so many vlog topics the reality is it's just painful for people because they send in something and I answer probably one out of every hundred things that gets sent in it's just silly so um, I'm not going to be saying that anymore there's going to be a place to submit vlog topics on my website which I'll tell you about later but what I'm going to be saying now is I hope you'll look right below this video and continue the conversation with me I hope you'll like me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter and subscribe to my YouTube channel the reasons for doing that are, first of all, if you like me on Facebook, you'll get notified when I do a Facebook Live. And I haven't started doing those yet, but I'm going to be doing those starting early in 2017. And that's kind of fun. Like, I'm just going to pop on my video, my just little, my little, whatever it is, my iPhone. I'm just going to start talking into the camera. And if you're on Facebook, you'll get a notification and you'll be able to watch it right there, right then. So that's kind of fun. I also am doing a lot of TV interviews, radio interviews, and those sorts of things, and we post the links on Facebook. So if you want to watch those or read those, you'll have access to that too. So that's the reason to like my Facebook page. Twitter, <laughs> what do I say about Twitter? I never have used Twitter, not really. And because of that, I have like 490 Twitter followers, which I don't know if you know Twitter, that's not impressive. So my PR team is like, Susan, we're now shopping you around to like Good Morning America and Dr. Oz and all these shows. The reality is that those producers will look at your number of Twitter followers and they'll go, 490 Twitter followers? She's not an influencer. Nobody listens to her. And I'll be like, uh, yeah, I got like over 400,000 people have joined my email list over the last two and a half years. Nobody can see that. Nobody cares about that. They're going to look at my Twitter followers. Can you believe it? Twitter followers. If you're on Twitter, I don't mean to denigrate you. I'm just saying like, I've never, I don't know, Twitter followers? Really? Okay. So I need Twitter followers. Silly. I know, but I do. And so I'm going to start to make it worth your while. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm going to start to tweet some stuff like for real, for real me actually tweeting stuff like cool stuff that doesn't get put anywhere else. So if you want those tweets, you've got to follow me on Twitter. And then you want to subscribe to my YouTube channel because um, I don't always put out notifications to every video that I put up. So sometimes videos get put up on YouTube and if you don't subscribe to my channel, you won't get a notification about that. So anyway, the buttons are down below. Go ahead and do those things. I would love to continue the conversation with you. Um, and then lastly, I just want to say thank you for an amazing year. Like, thank you for tuning in. I know that there are people watching this vlog, maybe you're one of them, who have religiously watched every vlog this year without fail. Thank you for tuning in. Even if you've only caught one or two or three of them, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for taking the time. I'm over the moon about this exciting journey. I cannot wait to see what 2017 has in store. The book, the everything. We've got a new course that we're releasing February 1st. I can't wait to tell you about. It's called the 14 day challenge. It's going to be so fun. It's just going to be a fun year. So make sure that you like and follow and subscribe. And I'm going to be telling you all about it. And I love you. Thank you for being here with me in 2016. Good luck on your journey in 2017. We'll talk all about goals next week. And whatever you've done with your food, with your weight, with your insides, 
this year, whatever you've done, just know that there is a lesson and a gift in that, however it's been. Whether you've rocked it out or whether you've struggled mightily, you can go into 2017 so much wiser, so much more prepared, ready to have an amazing year. I love you and I'll see you in 2017.